Let's put our hands together for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords this morning, the Lord God Almighty. Maybe you didn't hear me, I'll say it again. Let's put our hands together for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's applaud our Heavenly Father this morning. For he is worthy of all praise, he's worthy of all glory, and he's worthy of all honor. And truly we are thankful for the opportunity to be utilized for his purpose. Uh, my name, as he said, is Rodriguez Alexander, um, affectionately known as Pastor C, and uh, one of the local pastors here in Jackson. I had my jacket on, I took it off because I saw everyone else with theirs off, so I figured I, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans. I'm a little cooler <laughs> now, I feel better. Uh, so I enjoy ministering the Word of God. Uh, we've traveled extensively, and what I have found to be most effective that everyone have in common, and that is serving our Heavenly Father, worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Uh, so what I enjoy, I enjoy ministering, and I like to have fun while I minister. So if I say something that's funny, it's okay to laugh. If it's not funny, laugh anyway, just help me out. Uh, but don't just sit there and admire my good looks, I know. Come out, you vain. I'm just being vain. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but no, we're just excited to be here. Why don't you applaud your pastor, Pastor Dallas, and his absence this morning. Come on, let's applaud the Lord for him. We're so thankful for him and so thankful for the opportunity that he has afforded us again to minister to you guys. I will not be before you too long. Uh, it is 1020. Give me till about noon. We will be out of here. I'm not long-winded. I don't think that's too long. I just, you know, want to make sure I cover everything. I have three keys this morning uh, to cover, but I know I will not get through all of them. Only, I'll only cover one, probably. So what I'm going to ask of you, that if I minister good enough, you ask Pastor Dallas to have me back to give you the other two. Is that a deal? All right. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to minister this to your word, to these here your sheep. And Father, we pray that revelation knowledge will flow freely today unhindered, uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. God, it gives me great pleasure to remind the enemy that he is still under our feet, that he is defeated, God is exalted, and that Jesus is our Lord. Father, I ask that you think through my mind and speak through my vocal cords, none of me, but all of thee. Hide me behind the cross so that these who your sheep can hear a clear and concise word that would not just challenge them, but that would also change them, cause them to do some things they've never done and, and say some things they've never said. God, and after hearing this word this morning, they'll go a place in you they've never gone before. In Jesus' name. Now, what I need you to do, whenever I minister, I ask the audience to do this. Lay your hands on your heart and say, Father. All right. Uh, lay your hands on your heart and say, Father. Father. Speak to me. Speak to me. Give me clarity. Give me clarity. Through your, word. Through your word, I am open. Speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you so much for uh, accompanying us this morning. I want to talk from the subject, building a life of faith. Building a life of faith. Our theme scripture is from Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll do more so expository teaching. Um, so we won't read the scripture per se, but we'll cover it as we go further in our lesson. Uh, building a life of faith. I want to ask a question this morning. How do you get 
God's approval. By being religious and going to church? No. By keeping the Ten Commandments? No. By being more good than bad? No. <laughs> By promising to be perfect? No. The Bible says that there is only one way to get God's approval. There's only one way to get God's smile on our lives. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, it is impossible to please God without faith, without faith. So here it is, the only way you can get God's approval is through faith, is through faith. That's the only way you're gonna be, you're gonna be able to get God's approval. You may be a great person, and look in scanning the audience, you, you, you guys appear to be good people, great people, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. You may do all sorts of great things in your life, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God. God, listen to me, isn't interested in rules and rituals. Said it again. He is not interested in rules and rituals. He's only interested in one thing, and that is you develop a relationship of faith with him. It is imperative that we develop a relationship of faith with him. He's only interested, interested in that one thing. If you want to build a great life of faith, it is essential, beloved, that you know how to build a life of faith. If you want to build a great life, you must know how to build a great life of faith. Now, I like to walk. Is that okay if I walk a little bit? I think I was given instructions to kind of stay like right here. Think this is good right here? All right, I'm going to stay right here. I like to walk a little bit, guys, so just, just follow along with me. Uh, again, if you want to build a life, a great life, it must be built on faith. Faith must be the foundation of your life. Uh, somebody has called faith the greatest power in the world the greatest power in the world. What is faith? What is faith? A lot of people have had the wrong idea about what faith is. Some have suggested that faith is an irrational commitment to beliefs despite evidence to the contrary. Someone else said I've, uh, uh, that, that faith is like a blind leap into darkness. A blind leap into darkness. Newsflash, that isn't faith, that's stupidity. <laughs> that is stupidity. How many of you are willing to drive down 94 uh, west on the east side, dark with the lights off? Stupidity, right? That just doesn't make sense. So that isn't faith. Faith is actually the opposite. You could desire or you could describe faith like such as a leap out of darkness back into the light. That's good. I'll say it again. Faith is described as, you can describe it as leap out of darkness back into the light. So here's a truth. Faith is not irrational. It's based upon coherent and consistent reasoning. What I love about our Heavenly Father is that he, he's clearly aware that, uh, for one, we represent him as children of the King. So he don't want us to walk around here being uh, 
absent-minded, if you will. He's aware that we're going to have a level of intellect, a level of, of, of intelligence is going to be our portion. So he wouldn't want us to be out here looking crazy. So he says, I want you to be rational. I want you to be coherent as you're pursuing this life, this relationship with me. I've been ministering now for uh, uh, this year, be 31 years, and I, if, I have never been more convinced about my life as a person of faith than I have over the last year. I understand the importance of living for God and not just with our intellect, not with just our ability, but in faith with Him, in faith with God. I promise if we do what we can, God will do what we can't. There are some things that we can't figure out, but there is someone that we know who has all wisdom, who has all power, and he's our heavenly father, and he'll give us the answers that we need. Now, do you guys clap when a good word is going forth? If you don't, come on, give God some praise for that right there. That was some good stuff right there. So we learn in order to have this relationship to please God, we must walk in faith. So faith isn't simplistic, but it is simple. Faith provides future hope for your soul. So what is faith? Probably the best definition of faith is found in Hebrews chapter 11. It's a book of the Bible that contains a list of people in the Bible who lived their lives of faith, who lived by faith. You could call it God's hall of faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 gives us a definition of faith and that, I, that, that, that we should live by, that we should live by. Hebrews 11 and 1, it says, what is faith? It says, faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So here's the definition of faith. Faith, in its simplest form, is the confident assurance that God is in control of the future and that he will keep his promises to me because he has a purpose for me. Isn't that good? He has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for you. God is going to keep his promise. He's going to, he, he has control of the future. So if I know that my heavenly father has control of my future, all I can do is just relax in him. Come on. I can just relax knowing that he's got the whole world in his hand, and I just happen to be a part of that world that's in his hand. So faith is building your life on the fact that God is in control. Say it with me. Say, my heavenly father is in control. And that God will fulfill his promises, listen to this, even when you don't see those promises materializing. God will fulfill, fulfill those promises even if you don't see them materializing. I know it's hard, man. I will be the first to tell you if, we, if, if I'm believing God for something and it doesn't happen when we want or how we want, it, it becomes frustrating. Come on, be honest. It becomes annoying. It's like, God, are you, are you playing a game with me, God? Come on, I need this to happen. But not now doesn't mean never. Come on, delays are not denial. There's a song that says he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Well, I believe this to be true. He will come when you want him. He may not come when you want him, but he will come when you need him. Come on. He may not come when you want him, but he's going to come when you need him. So here it is, 
faith isn't making a good guess based on the best human estimate of what, we, what will happen. It is not making a good guess based on the best human estimate of what will happen. Faith isn't taking a leap of faith. You can write this down or you can quote it on your social media page. Just put Pastor C next to it. I want to get the credit for it. Hashtag Pastor C. Faith is believing the promises of God even when there is nothing to show for it. Faith is believing the promises of God even when there is nothing to show for it. There's one man in the Bible who stands out as the paragon of faith. And his name is Abraham. You guys know about Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. No VBS students, you guys never attend VBS, okay. (laughs) Abraham. Now the great thing about Abraham is that he has been viewed throughout centuries as a model of faith. Not just by Christians, but by two other religions, the Jews and Muslims. And Christians uh, Christians look like Abraham, or they look to Abraham as a model of faith. That's good stuff that it it isn't just us, believers, followers of Jesus, but you have other religious persuasions that look to Abraham as the model of faith. In fact, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 tells us, and Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of faith. Because of his faith. Now, I like to look at Abraham's life because Abraham was as human as you and I are. It is said that under pressure, he told lies. <laughs> Just smile, they won't know I'm talking about you. Come on here. Under pressure, he told lies. Twice, he gave away his wife to save his own life. That was insane. <laughs> that was beyond a human reasoning. He gives up his wife twice to save his own life? That was, yeah, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna talk to him about, what were you thinking, man? You, okay. I had a moment, y'all, I'm back. Because of his faith, because of his faith, in spite of everything he did, God called him a friend. Despite his failures, despite all of his faults, Abraham was called a friend of God. Why? Because of his faith. Now, let me pause and say this to you, that it doesn't matter what you have done in your life, past or present or what you're uh, contemplating right now. If you repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, no one, nothing, your past cannot hold you hostage for the things that God has for you. I need to say that again. I hope you hear me. As long as you connect your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, as long as you ask him for forgiveness, it doesn't matter what you've gone through, doesn't matter what you have done, God can call you friend. Now, see, if I was in a black church, I would get a little louder. Somebody would be on an organ playing, but I'll contain myself. (laughs) As long as we stay connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, as long as we keep our eyes focused on him, he will forever call us his friend. Come on, how many want to be a friend of our Heavenly Father this morning? Come on, you want to be a friend of God. You want to be a friend of God. So you don't have to be perfect to build a great life but you do have to build a life of faith. So in Hebrews chapter 11, no one person gets more attention than Abraham. In fact, Abraham's, uh, Hebrews 11 mentions 
three episodes in Abraham's life that point to him as a man of faith. And as we started, um, there are three, but I'll only cover one today because of the time. The first one that made Abraham such a great man of faith or friend of God was that he did this, write it down, faith is obeying even when I don't understand it. Faith is obeying even when you don't understand it. That's the first secret of developing a life of faith. Let's read Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verses 8 through 10 together. It says, or you can follow along with me. I may have a different translation than what you have. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Verse 9, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country, and he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. So when we encounter Abraham in verse 8, uh, we see him living in an area in today's day and time, uh, kind of like Iraq, right? He was living in Iraq, and uh, he was 75 uh, uh, years young. He's getting ready to uh, draw his pension. <laughs> he's living good. He's feeling fine. He's comfortable. He's getting ready to draw his pension. And then God comes along and tells him to move. Can you imagine this? He's content in his state. He's done well. He has provided for his family. He's got a nice savings. He has a pension. And God says, move. <laughs> I like to think of it like this. Um, over in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he says, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. Here's a dialogue. Abraham says, God, where am I going? God says, you've never heard of this place. <laughs> Cancel me out, God. I don't want to go. Come on. I'm done. I'm, I'm not going. I am not going to go. He says, uh, you've never heard of this place. Abraham says, how long will it take me to get there? God says, don't worry about that. <laughs> Listen, I have a five-year-old, and the conversations that she and I have in the vehicle is hilarious. We're driving. She doesn't like to drive, so we're from the uh, Bloomfield Hills area, Clinton Township and such, so my mom still lives there, so we travel to go see her. And I am not exaggerating. We can get to um, East Ave exit. Dad, how much longer? Baby, we just got in the car. This is going to be a long trip. She don't like to be in a, in a distance. She don't like to drive, ride anywhere long. She wants to get in and get out. She loves to fly, so that's, that's a good thing. Uh, but I can see this conversation that Abraham is having with God like, like he's having with his child. In reality, it was his child, but you get my point. As parents, they ask, how, are we there yet? Are we... No, we're not there. Take a nap. I don't want to. I'm bored. Well, create something in your mind. Do something. He says, don't worry about that. Abraham says, how will I know when I'm there? God says, I'll tell you. 
I'll tell you. God was asking Abraham to make a major move with very little information. Very little to no information. But because, here it is, Abraham obeyed when he didn't understand it, he became the father of a nation called Israel. I wonder if you could move when God says move. I wonder if you're willing to take a plunge this morning and, and move when God tells you to move. And regardless of anything, often when you hear me pray, whenever I minister, you may have heard me, Father, bypass my head, bypass my intellect. I don't want to get in the way. I don't want my selfishness, if you will, to get in the way of what our Heavenly Father wants to say or what he wants to do. I want to I be clear. Father, I've prepared a message, but I've also opened the door for you to speak through me. Come on. And it's the same principle in life. You know, uh, we're to make plans. We're to write vision for our family. We should always have, have, it out in, have it written out in pencil so that the Heavenly Father can come with the heavenly eraser and say, start over again. Come on, you guys remember the Etch-A-Sketch? You build something and then all of a sudden you shake it away? Come on. I love that. I love being able to write something out and it's something that I want to do, but God says, uh, shake that off. That's, that's not what I want for you. Come on. So that's what Abraham, that's where Abraham was. And that's how he became the father of many nations. Many people were blessed because he obeyed even when he didn't understand it, when he didn't make sense. Here's a principle. Your obedience has nothing to do with you, but everyone that's connected to you. Has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with who's connected to you. So how you respond to God will determine the state and fate of those connected, your family and such. We must be willing to yield to our Heavenly Father's voice and yield to his direction. Um, the problem with us isn't that we don't know what God's will is for us. And God spoke to me about this and I was convicted, man. It hit me really hard. It isn't that we don't know the will of God for us. The problem for us is that we lack the courage to go. We lack the courage to go. We lack the courage to do. We, we will speak, we will talk ourselves out of success. Well, my mother never did that. My father wasn't that great of a, of a, of a uh, businessman. My, my, my family have always had bad success in this area. Not realizing that your heavenly father is nudging you to destroy that curse so that you can change the dynamics of your family. Come on. You see, when you, when you give your life to Jesus, every generational curse that was connected to your family must stop at you because God took it, Jesus took it to the cross. Come on. But because of the fear of the unknown, we don't want to take the plunge. We've got to learn to forget the uncertainties of the past and go for the uncertainties of the future. We took, we, we forgot the uncertainties of the past. That's how we end up where we are now. So don't be content in your state. There's so much more that our Heavenly Father has for us if we, would just to, if we were to just take the plunge of faith and walk and ask God to lead and guide us. We want all of the information before we make a move. We want all the information. We want, we want God to write it out Map it out for us before we make the information. Here's what I learned. The first time God split a sea for his people, uh, 
he caused the Red Sea to split before the people entered. The second time that God split water for his people, he told them to enter the river and then it would split. Come on. So you take the step first. God's going to do the rest for you. Sometimes, beloved, God asks us to make the move before we have all of the information. And if you're anything like me, I like to have things figured out. Come on, I think most men, we like to figure things out. You know, we want to rationalize, we want to analyze things. I think one of the biggest challenges for, for men is that very thing, uh, being able to submit to the will of God, the voice of God, because we've had to figure things out for our family, our family, right? We've had to provide for our family. But God is saying now, allow me to bypass your head. I am not saying by any means, take away, I'm not trying to take away your education. I'm not trying to take away your love of success. I'm not trying to take away all the things that you have applied in your life. I'm simply saying, in order to please me, in order to get my seal of approval, is walk in faith. We have, we have made faith so, so hard to do. By faith, all of us, all of you are sitting on the pews. Come on, you, that, that's an element of faith that these pews will not collapse. It is faith that I'm standing here on this stage. Come on. So it isn't, it isn't something that's impossible. It is, a, it is attainable if we would just adjust our minds and, and go after it and believe God for it. Even when Abraham reached the land, God promised him he wasn't home free. Acts chapter 7 verse 15 tells us that when Abraham got to the land, God gave him no inheritance here. Not even one square foot of land. Abraham had to wait. Write this down. Waiting time is not wasted time. Waiting time is not wasted time. Waiting time is preparation time. Waiting time is praying time. Waiting time is yielding time. Waiting it's an action word. You're doing something. You're waiting. You're waiting for God to move. So, so Abraham had to wait. Not only did he have to wait, <laughs> but Abraham had to pray. Because he has gone to a land he's not aware of. But he had to wait and trust his God. Not only did he have to wait, but, but his children and his grandchildren had to wait. Abraham risked all that he had for a promise. He risked uh, uh, all that he had and left it for the unknown, even though he didn't understand it. That's faith. Why? Because he had the confident assurance that God is in control of the future and that he will keep his promises to me because he has a purpose for me. Abraham had that mindset, and you should have that same mindset, that I'm going to move because our Heavenly Father said move. I'm going to trust what God says because he has my future in his hands. He, my future is brighter because Jesus is right there. Come on. My future is so much greater because my Heavenly Father has preordained, predestined for me to win, and in everything that I do, I will win. We do not win some and lose some. The Bible says we always triumph. Come on. We always win. I don't, I don't lose, I learn. Come on. All right. So, so, so here it is. Faith 
is trusting in what the Word of God says. Faith always involves risking, taking a risk. Some people want a guarantee of success before they obey God. They read something in the Bible, and God tells them to do something, and they say, okay, God, once you guarantee it's going to work, then I'll do it. God says that doesn't require any faith. I want you to believe when you don't see it, and I want you to obey when you don't understand it. When you don't understand it. But here's a truth. You will understand it when your relationship with God is on point, when you're reading his word. The Bible says, in all thy getting, get an understanding. Understanding is something under you to stand on foundation. So the Word of God is our foundation that we stand upon, right, and that we build upon. So if we take the plunge, all right, Father, I've laid a foundation for my family. I've laid a foundation for my life, and it's all based upon your Word. So when I take the step, it's going to happen because now I'm standing on the understanding that you've got my back, that you have my back. So, so, so it's, God says, I want you to do it when you don't understand. The New Testament, listen to this, contains over 1,000 commands for us to obey. That's a lot of commands. I need to be really honest and tell you, beloved, that uh, sometimes I don't like all those commands. Come on. <laughs> I don't like all those commands. What? No, I don't want to do it. Like, dry, like when you're on a plane and, you know, again, I like to fly. So we were just in Texas to visit my son and and, his, uh, and my daughter-in-law, they're expecting. So we're in Texas, and we're flying. And we're on a plane, and you guys hear the stewardess. She comes on. All right, we're getting ready to land. Put your tray up. Well, I don't want to put my tray up. What? What, what you going to throw me off the plane because I don't put my tray up? You just don't want to do all the rules sometimes. But, but it, like, is, is, this, is this tray being up going to stop the, the, the plane from landing? I mean, why not put my tray up? But it's a rule. Come on, it's... It's a command. It's, a, it's an instruction that we must do. And so the same principle, when God tells us to do something, it may not make sense to us. It doesn't have to make sense. It's making God smile. Come on. So when we make God smile, he breathes his refreshing wind up on us. And sometimes, again, it just don't, it just don't make sense. Some of them seem unreasonable. Some of them seem unusual. Some of them just plain, they're just plain inconvenient. Just inconvenient. Turn my other cheek if somebody hit me. Lord, that's, that's, you asking for a big thing here, Jesus. Come on. I, I was, I was raised on the east side of Detroit, y'all. And, and you telling me to turn my other cheek? That just don't make sense to me. Okay. All right. See, that's how I know he was doing a new thing in me because I've never had to turn my other cheek. Thank the Lord. And I don't even know if I would have turned, I think I'm venting. Am I venting, y'all? I think I probably should come on back. Let me, let me just get back to the message. <laughs> Ooh, okay, here we go. Here we go. It doesn't make sense. Do you remember when your parents would ask you to do something that made no sense to you as a kid? You would say, what do my parents know? Parents just don't understand. Parents just don't understand. And looking back, you can see the wisdom in what they told you. You were called to obey your parents even when you didn't understand. Now, as I look back, you can understand, I can understand that, that my parents had a purpose 
in their request. And they did it out of love and concern. Here's truth. God is far wiser and far more concerned about you than your parents. When you ignore what he tells you to do, you're being a fool. You're being foolish. Here's truth. He's a creator. The Bible's the owner's manual for life. God created it. The Bible's for us to live by. If I ignore it, who am I going to hurt? Not God. I'm hurting myself. If you don't do what God tells you to do, you're not hurting anyone but yourself. If we didn't do what our parents told us to do, we were hurting no one but ourselves. We were put on punishment. We couldn't go outside. We couldn't do something. And if we did too much, we got, we, we got a nice spanking. Or in my vernacular, we got, our, we got a whipping. <laughs> we got, yeah, we got, we got it good. And then you hear the famous line, this is hurting me more than it's hurting you. Really? Wow. And so the same applies if we don't do what God tells us to do. We're not hurting anyone but ourselves. Here's my point. If you learn to do whatever God tells you to do, even when it seems absurd, then God can bless your life. You're going to build a life of faith as you come and play something softly. And that's the foundation of building a great life is faith. Faith is what causes a great life. It's what helps you to experience this great life. On the other hand, if you ignore what God says to do, if you say, I don't believe that stuff, I'm going to do what I think is best. In my own, I'm my own God. I can do what I want to do. You've heard the song, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. Y'all heard that. Don't look at me like that. Y'all probably got it on repeating your own card. Then you will miss out on all the great things and blessings that God has planned for your life. And you put everything on hold. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So everything here on earth, we have access to, right? because our Heavenly Father owns it. And some of you may be thinking, well, you know, I've, I've, I've acquired some things in life and, and my life is good. Your life can be better when you put God first. Paul said to, the, to, to Judaism, he says, I'm not saying what you had was no good. I'm not saying what you do is not good. He says, I'm simply saying with Jesus, things are just so much better. And I'm not saying what you have acquired is not good. I'm not saying what you do isn't good. I'm saying if you link it in faith to Jesus Christ, it becomes so much better. It becomes so much better. So we're called to live this life of faith. 
God is not into us failing. If he tells us to do something, if, he, if, he, if he's given us instructions to do it, I promise you, he's going to give you the fortitude, the ability. And not only will he give you the instructions to read, but, but I just believe the Heavenly Father, the God that I serve, will, will carry you, walk you through, hold your hand and walk you through it. We've got to get away from the spirit of fear that robs us from receiving. We know what the will is. We know what God has told us to do. It's the courage that, that, that we don't have. Today, my prayer is that we would grab hold of the courage, the confidence of Christ, the authority that we have as believers. We don't have to be loud and belligerent. All we have to do is take this Bible and read the scriptures and stand on the scriptures. Like anything, you guys have been in school, like anything, book learning is part of it. And then there's a test. So we have the, the tools. We have the word of God. We, we have the, the logos, the, the written word, and the rhema, the spoken word. We have all of these things here. Now we've got to apply it. Start walking it through and walking it out. And our Heavenly Father is right there waiting for us to take the step. Do you receive that this morning? Come on, give the Lord some praise for that word. Glory to God if you receive that. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we've had to share your word. Now, Lord, we pray that this word today will be sealed in the hearts of those that are viewing and those that are here. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the faith that we have to live out this, this thing called Christianity. Now, God, as, as we've said that, that we have it, we've received it, now I'm asking that you give us the fortitude, the courage. You told us to be of good cheer. You're with us. So, Father, remind us. Thank you for the reminder today that you are with us. And like Abraham, we want to be a friend of yours. name of Jesus. Father, we speak healing over the hearts of those that are here and those that are viewing. God, be, uh, be it spiritual, uh, uh, physically, God, heal their hearts, Lord. Emotionally, Father, God, cause healing to manifest. And most importantly, spiritually, Father, some have, have been hurt spiritually, Lord God, and, and they don't want to step forward anymore in you. God, I ask now that you minister to their hearts. Allow the Father's love to overshadow them, overshower them with your love so that they may see you and receive you and live this great life of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, bless his name one more time. Glory to God.